um, just wanted to just kind of talk about something that was on my heart. And of course, we've been going forever on this uh, uh, discipleship ser- series on follow. And just wanted to finish this up and uh, really kind of wind it down in, with these two messages that really I felt the Lord put on my heart. But um, today I want to just talk out of Luke chapter 5. Last week was Luke chapter 10. And if you'll just turn or click in, um, with me to Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27 and verse 32. I want to talk to you about dinner with a sinner. So anyways, in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, reading out of uh, King Jesus' version. It says this, it says, After these things, went, Jesus went forth and he saw a publican, uh, or a tax collector, named Levi, sitting at the receipt of customs. And he said unto him, Follow me. We talked about that several weeks ago. And he left all, rose up, and followed Jesus. And Levi made to him, Jesus, a great feast in his own house. And there he, he had a, a lot of company. There's a lot of uh, his fellow tax collectors, as the Bible says, a company of publicans and other people, his guests and other friends, that sat down with Jesus or with the other people. But the scribes and Pharisees uh, murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, They that are holding me not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous to, re- uh, to repentance, but sinners to repentance. I came to call sinners to repentance. There's four accounts that we see in the New Testament where Jesus had dinner with unbelievers or had a meal with someone that didn't know the hymn, didn't know, uh, wasn't saved. And we see it three out of those four times Jesus was invited to their house. The one time Jesus kind of made his own appointment with Zacchaeus. And he said, I'm coming to your house today. You guys remember that song in Sunday school, I'm coming to your house for tea. Uh, Jews don't drink tea, but I don't know where we got that. But So four accounts where Jesus was sharing meals with the unbelievers. And so uh, Jesus ate with sinners and invited, who invited them to his house. And then Jesus ate meals with his disciples and opened to everyone. There's a lot of people came. Publicans and sinners and Pharisees came. Uh, they were kind of open to everybody. And then Jesus ate meal with the meal, what we call communion, with his disciples. And so we see that there's many different types and many times that Jesus sat down and had meals with people. And he, he felt it important to share meals with people. And so as this kickoff to seven days of feasting, we want to challenge everybody to have a, a dinner with somebody that doesn't know the Lord. Have a dinner with a sinner, as I like to call this message. You know, we can reach people exactly the same way that Jesus did. I mean, he's leading and we're following out after all. And so we can, we can do that. And so as I began to think about the meals that Jesus had with people, I thought about three things that meals do. Meals open the doors to three things. This is what meals do. Meals open up to three things. Number one, conversation. Number two, they open up to relationship. And number three, it opens people up to conversion. And so the three things that a meal will open somebody up to, having a meal or coffee with somebody, will do. And I thought about conversation. And, and this has just been something on my heart when I read Matthew 28 several weeks ago about the Great Commission. When Jesus said that I'm sending you out to go. And he said to teach all nations. Teach all nations. And that starts with a conversation. Jesus said whatever things I commanded you or everything I taught you, I want you to teach other people. And so, so many times we get focused on the negativity of evangelism. We get focused on maybe going through a monologue of evangelism. We have to memorize or go through a booklet. Or we, we have to memorize this or take somebody through these steps. And let's not get caught up 
in the negativity or the negative things that have happened to us or we've seen through evangelism or maybe the disappointments that we had or the rejections that we had. How many know Jesus, if he would have stopped the rejections, never would have went to the cross? Amen? But Jesus never stopped the rejection, did he? He just kept pressing through because his goal was to seek and save that which was lost. And so as long as he was on that mission, rejection wasn't an issue. And I believe as a Christian, as long as you're on the mission of Jesus, rejection will never be an issue. Amen. A lot of people stop at a rejection, but Jesus never did. And so we see this in uh, things about conversation. Well, I thought about, what about a conversation? Well, Jesus taught us to teach all nations. I mean, that's a tremendous responsibility. You are to teach all nations. As we said a couple weeks ago, people groups. And I actually made a mistake. I said there are uh, six billion people in those unreached people groups. There's actually six million. Okay, so that's the correction on there. There's, we, we're to teach all these people groups. To, and I thought, man, that's, that's, a, that's an amazing thing, Lord. You want me to actually teach people. Whatever you taught me, you want me to teach other people. How many know that's discipleship? Discipleship is being a disciple and making disciples. And so, Lord, you want me to teach other people. And how do I teach other nations? I thought, uh, as I went through this, the Lord really kind of uh, instructed me and just showed me this, that when it comes to teaching all nations, it starts with having a conversation, obviously. And so we have a conversation by being equipped to teach others. You, you've got to be equipped to teach others, first of all. And number two, you, you teach the gospel of the kingdom, as the Bible teaches us. And then thirdly, we just simply, to have a conversation, we can talk about life, or we talk life, talking life. Those are the three things that I see about how we teach all nations. That seems overwhelming, doesn't it? Sounds like, well, that's for an elite few. That's for people that feel called to the mission field, or you know, to Africa, or India, or, or, or someplace like that. But Jesus told every single believer and every single person that would be a believer after the original 12, he said that you are to teach all nations or all people groups. That's a lot of teaching and that's a lot of people groups, right? Over like 6,000 unreached people groups in the world. There's 11,000 total, but there's 6,000 unreached people groups in the world. So we have 6,000 people groups to reach, wow, with the gospel. And so the Bible talks about teaching other people. And I believe that we need to be equipped to teach other people. You know, if you look at Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 4, it spells it out very clearly that Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing the sick. I mean, he had a, a three-point, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, goal to his mission there. He had three-point goals. He said, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach, and I'm going to heal the sick. I mean, you know, that's simple, isn't it? And Jesus went about doing that. He went about teaching. The Bible says that one of his main ministries to the disciples was teaching. And then he turned around to the disciples in Matthew 28 and said, you are to teach all nations. That's an amazing thing. And so I don't think you've ever looked at yourself as a teacher. But you as a believer, as a disciple in Jesus, are called to be a teacher. Many think, well, that's, I'll never stand in front of people or I'll never, you know, get a degree in teaching or I'm never really, I can't explain how to uh, screw in a light bulb to somebody. How am I supposed to teach? But, you know, God has anointed you to do that. And if God's anointed you to teach, how many know he's going to teach you to teach? Right? The anointing, the Bible says in 1 John, teaches you to teach people. Amen. The unction of the Holy Spirit has been given so that we can learn how to evangelize, learn how to teach people what Jesus taught us. So what is preaching and teaching? Well, it's very simple. Preaching and teaching is this. It's declaring and explaining. 
That's all it is, is declaration and, and explanation. That's really what it is. As Jesus said, I'm preaching and teaching. We declare. When you preach something, you declare something. Jesus, when the Bible says one about preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's declaring, right? And then you go and you explain things. And I see that we see this in the letters of Paul and everything really that came after the Gospels and the accounts of Jesus were really not an addition to what Jesus taught. They were an explanation and a definition of what Jesus taught. Anybody? How many know Jesus taught on finances? Jesus taught on marriage? Jesus taught on raising children? You can find everything there. But Paul and his epistles and the rest of the Gospels there teach us and explain, wow, this is the teachings of Jesus. They unpack the whole teachings of Jesus. Amen. So that's what I like about it. And so... What, you know, what do we teach? What do we teach? You ever think of that? I thought, wow, I'm ready to teach the nations. And I thought, well, where, what do I teach? Where do I even start? Well, I think it break it down kind of like this, as the Bible teaches us. Number one, we teach the gospel. Number two, we teach the kingdom or kingdom principles. And number three, we teach the life of Jesus. Those are three things that we can just keep very simple as what to teach. What are we teaching? Well, we're teaching the gospel. Jesus said, whatsoever things I have commanded you. And uh, I want to look at some scriptures here in a little bit about the example of Jesus and Paul and the apostles in the book of Acts and, and the Gospels. But anyways, I think this breaks it down real easy that the Gospel message is simply this, who Jesus is, why He came, and the truth that He teaches. How many know that's, that's part of the Gospel, isn't it? Amen. Come on, we think the Gospel is, well, gee, you know, this is what they teach at my church, or this is what I was told when I was little. That's not the Gospel. Amen. And we know the gospel needs good news, but what good news are you telling people? I mean, what good news is there? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Jesus loves you. That's good news, right? We start with that one. That's a great one. Uh, he has a great plan for your life. Amen. Come on. How many know it's a little bit more than that, right? Those are great, uh, you know, conversation starters. But really, when you start talking about teaching people, you have to get down to explaining who Jesus is. Amen? You don't just go up to somebody, hey, Jesus is Lord, believe in him or burn. Come on, man, I just gave you the gospel. I mean, it's more than that. It's more than that. I hope it's more than that for you. Good Lord, I hope it's more than that for you. Anyways, and so I, I really thought about this, and the Lord spoke to me. I mean, the gospel is the center of our life as believers. The gospel is the center of our life, and it always will be. You will never get away from the gospel being the central part of your life or central theme of your life. I mean, think about it. And here's my question, is it now? Is it now the central theme of your life? And at what time it was when you first got saved, it was all about Jesus and what he did and the cross and the blood and the resurrection and i got to tell everybody, right? But is the gospel still the central theme of your life? Is it, is it still part of your life? And here's another question, can you explain the gospel clearly and how it affects you today? How does the gospel impact your life today? Can you explain it to somebody? Can you teach somebody? Can you lead somebody to Jesus through the gospel? I mean, that's a, that's a good question, isn't it? Challenging question, but it's a good question. And this is why Jesus taught us. He didn't just go, hey, just go out there and do your best and just travel and see the world. And, and you know, if you get an opportunity, tell them about me. No, he said, teach all nations. Whatsoever things I commanded. Now, if you want to, if you want to look at the broader scheme, if you want to go really in depth, you could say this: that the Bible says, I believe it's in the Gospel of Luke, says at the very end that if we were to record all the things that Jesus did and said, there wouldn't be enough books, and the libraries wouldn't contain the books and the volumes that would be written in. 
So Jesus did a lot, didn't he? So we just have a small snapshot of 30, you know, those 33 and a half years of his life and three and a half years of his teachings. Wow, think about it. And in that, I believe that we can win somebody to the Lord. Amen. And so how do we, how do, we do this and how do we teach uh, uh, really as Jesus taught? Well, you can give explanations, you can give definitions, illustrations, stories, you give examples. There's a lot of ways to teach. There's a lot of ways that Jesus taught. Jesus used a lot of illustrations and he used a lot of parables. Uh, you know, at one point he said to the disciples, he said, look, you should know this by now, but I'm telling the parables for their sake because they don't understand. Anybody? I mean, you, know, you can't go out and assume that everybody knows about Jesus. I mean, maybe, maybe there was a time in America that everybody said the pledge and everybody prayed and, and, and everybody had a family Bible in their home. I don't know. But how many know that's not how we roll today? That's, that's not how our, it is today. And you can't assume that everybody knows what you're talking about. You can't just go up to somebody and say, hey, remember that thing I told you about in church, whatever. I mean, you just can't, you know, assume that people know about the Lord. And I, I believe in this day, in this culture, you can't even assume that Christians know what the Bible says. You've got to teach people. You've got to teach people. And you said, well, well, I don't know what your definition of teaching is, but I believe it needs to come back to that biblical standard and that example of Jesus who we're following, how he taught people. You know, maybe you won't get people in a classroom. Maybe you won't stand before somebody. Maybe you won't have a mic in your hand. But you're called and anointed to teach people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Jesus gave parables. What's a parable? A parable, I learned this a long time ago, is really an earthly example or earthly story with a heavenly truth. And that's what a parable is. And there's a lot of things you can do. Jesus talked about farming. There's a lot of farmers. Agriculture was a very agrarian society back then. And so you could talk about cars. You could talk about computers. You can talk about your phone and somehow tie it in to how people need Jesus. Amen? Amen. You can. You really can. Amen. Of course, phones don't compare to grazing corn, but there it is. And, uh, or catching fish, but Jesus did it. And so here's a couple things I wrote down for starters, and I think this is great for us to just kind of go with. Number one, I think it'd be great to, to just really tell people your story. Tell people your story. That's a great way to start. Tell them how you met the Lord, how you discovered the Lord, and how, you know, what God's done for you back then and does for you now. That's a great thing. Tell your story. And also, kind of just define what you know. And how many know it's good to just say what you know, and, and that's about it? It's when you start talking about what you don't know, you get yourself in trouble. Just say what you know about the Lord. Just say what you know about Scripture. Say what you know. Now, some of you may need to study a little bit because you're still bumpy on the, you know, on the entry there. You know, come, you know, you're saying, well, the Bible says somewhere in the Bible says, come fly the friendly skies. That's what the Bible says. You know, I mean, no, you might need to study a little bit. Amen. I think the Bible says good things come to those who wait. You know, I know that's what the Bible says, you know. No, Benjamin Franklin said that. So you might need to study a little bit. Amen. Everybody was like, oh, I just learned something new in church today. And then share principles and practical principles in scriptures. Scriptures that, you know, you don't have to say it in the King James. Just scriptures about loving your wife, raising your kids, being faithful to your job. Come on, having a good attitude, having peace in a storm, being blessed, feeling security. Come on. There's a lot of things that you can do. There's a lot of ways you can teach people the word of the Lord. A lot of ways you can teach people the gospel. A lot of ways that you can teach people things that will lead them to Jesus Christ. Amen? And when you just start teaching the Bible, people think, man, you're really smart. And you're really wise. And you could say, yeah, I guess I am, aren't I? You know, no, or you can say, hey, well, you know, that's just what I read. That's just what God taught me. 
Amen. And the other thing I noticed about is Jesus said, as one of the things that Jesus did is he, he taught the, the gospel of the kingdom. So not only did he equip the disciples to teach, but then he taught the gospel of the kingdom. This is amazing to me. Let me read some scriptures and be patient here while I just read a couple scriptures. And this kind of blew my mind. So what does that mean? I, I began to think about this scripture, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. Another place. There's many other scriptures, but many another place. Luke 8, 1. And it came to pass afterwards that Jesus went throughout every city and every village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. So now we see that Jesus preached the, kingdom, the, uh, the gospel of the kingdom and, and we know that Jesus, this is one of the things that Jesus preached about the gospel of the kingdom is this, repent. That's how many know that's a good teaching of the gospel. Or the, amen. That's where the gospel kind of starts by the way. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so he, t he preached about these things. And then in Acts chapter 1, Luke writes this about Jesus' ministry. To whom also Jesus showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Talking about after the resurrection. Being seen of, uh, seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus went around teaching people the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. It's getting really hot in here. It's getting warm in here now. You might need to turn that down. Amen. I'm starting to get tired. All right. Amen. So Acts chapter 8. This is what it says about Philip. But when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they believed the things concerning the kingdom of God. Acts 19, 8 says about Paul. Paul went into the synagogues and spake boldly for the, for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And I told you that because a few months ago as I was praying about the ministry at the OC and, and what God will do with the outreach center and how he's going to, where he wants us to go and how he wants us to do everything, uh, I really began to hear the Lord speak to me. He said, you know, you need to just start bringing the gospel of the kingdom to people. Now that's kind of simple, but here's what the Lord was relating to me is, you shouldn't wait till people get in church and be saved for three or four years and then get their life all together and do all this stuff and then they can sit through a marriage seminar or a marriage encounter. Why don't you offer an, a marriage encounter to sinners? Why don't you offer teaching about how to uh, you know, balance your, your budget and how to, how, to, how to be responsible, how to raise your children? See, that just blew me away because I was that was all for Christians. No, this is the gospel of the kingdom. These are the things concerning the gospel of the kingdom. This is what Jesus taught. Jesus openly preached about finances, raising your children, being married. Come on. Jesus preached about holiness out in the square, out, out in the public arena. He didn't, he didn't get into a little church where just everybody understood holiness and they you know, had, a, had an education. And they were in church for 50 years and all this other stuff. No. He preached it to sinners. He preached the gospel. He talked about the things of the kingdom. He explained to them. He, he, I mean, it was really cool. He took the, the, the kind of the, really the, the revolutionary things of the kingdom and broke it down in bite-sized pieces for people. That they can say, ah, oh, ah, oh, oh, okay, that's the kingdom. That's what God's all about. Come on, somebody. Is this all right? How many know that when you're, we're called to teach people? 
But yet we think we need to go and have this degree and all these scriptures memorized and then sit them in a room and get. But how many know God's calling us as the Door Fellowship Church that the whole church needs to reach the whole family? We've got to teach children how to love God and know who God is. We've got to teach young men to be men and women to be women and fathers to be fathers, mothers to be mothers, how to stay married for more than three years. How to raise kids when they're not your own. You got this blended family and everybody's going all these directions and all this stuff. How many know? We need to preach the gospel of the kingdom. People need principles of the kingdom to live by, right? And it's through those principles they'll find the Lord. They'll come to salvation sometimes. Sometimes they come immediately to salvation. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it, come on. But nevertheless, we're commanded by Jesus to teach all people groups. And that's what we're going to do at the OC. We're going to open up for marriage encounters. Whoever wants to come. Whoever wants to come, we're going to open up for dinners and barbecues and meals. Whoever wants to come, and then we're going to teach about the things concerning the kingdom. Amen? And so that's what the Lord shared with me. And then also we talk about life. We talk life. This is how you, you engage in conversation with people. You just talk life. The teachings of Jesus, really, you've got to understand something. The teachings of Jesus sometimes won't be comfortable to a religious person. And they're not going to be comfortable to, to someone that doesn't know the Lord, to a sinner, because... They, they cross, really, they kind of go against the philosophy and the practice of the carnal nature and the spirit of the world. So you've got to understand that initially they're just not going to get it. But how many know you don't just do it one time? The Bible says that we go constantly, we teach, and we teach. Teach means to revolve over and over and over, to train, to talk about it over and over and talk to somebody. Not just one time. Thank God for hot dog evangelism. Thank God for event evangelism. But how many know this is a lifestyle? And you're building relationships with people. And so you're going to teach them the things concerning the kingdom. And how do you teach your children? It has to be training, doesn't it? As the Bible says, it's over and it's over and it's over again. How many have kids that you feel like, uh, it's been over like 50 times? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on. But that's how we learn, isn't it? And that's how some people learn, your relatives. Maybe they're just not getting it. You, you, you know, you said, well, I'll just go talk to them. And, and you did one time like 30 years ago. And you thought, well, it didn't work. I guess they're not going to get saved. No. What about the perpetual truth coming to them? What about the constant teaching and constant principles that you're sharing with them and over and over and over again? And so this is what we have to understand, that initially a lot of the, well, most all of the teachings of Jesus won't be comfortable to religious people and they're not going to sometimes make sense to sinners because they're crossing this philosophy of the world and the practice of the world and the spirit that's in the world. But how many know that we serve a God, amen, that His spirit is great and His word is even greater and Jesus said the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are Life. They go past every barrier that people have in their mind. They break down every wall that people have. Human reasoning, rationale, excuses, defenses, come on, rejections of Jesus. They go past all of that and they can reach into somebody's heart. But God needs somebody who's going to be there all the time. You're going to be able to teach. You teach. You teach. Amen. And so I thought about something else about talking about life or talking life. It's not just talking about uh, everyday life, which I think it's important that we relate, and I'm going to cover that next time. Is, I believe that's important. But talking life is about talking uh, about everyday things that we share, and it's really speaking life to people. So when you talk life, you're not just talking about the good principles of the Bible. You need to speak life to them. Did I come to a good church this morning, a good Christian church? Okay. I mean, you need to speak life to people. 
And so, well, I'll never preach about hell because that's not life. Yes, it is. I don't know about you, but kind of that, that message kind of birthed something in me. Amen. It brought something like an attention in me. So, yeah, yeah, let's not do that. Let's not just say, I'm only going to talk about the positive things of the Bible. That's not what Jesus told us to do. Jesus said we teach everything that he taught, we teach. Amen. And so that, that covers just about everything, and even the things that we're uncomfortable with. And so um, I also thought about this, when we speak life to people, and we talk about everyday things, but we speak life to people. Jesus also used current events. He talked about the weather. Okay, let's just, let's just break it down and get, get very practical. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know how to discern the face of the sky, the weather patterns. You're great meteorologists, but you can't discern the signs of the time. So see what I'm saying? He took that, that current event or that, the, the a natural element and he brought a spiritual truth. Amen. However you want to do it. And so he talked about life and he talked about life situations and just to engage in conversations with somebody. And, and the woman at the well, he didn't start talking about uh, worship. He didn't start talking about uh, how Jacob worshipped and where Jacob worshipped. And he didn't talk about Jerusalem. He started out with a question, can I have a drink of water? I mean, that's very practical. Can I have a drink of water? I mean, that's just very... But then guess what he started to end up saying? I am the water. I'm the living water. He started out the conversation with something very practical, a very element that they both knew and understood. This woman, give me a drink of water. I was at the well. You get a drink from the well. From the well. That makes sense, doesn't it, right? It's not unusual to ask for a drink, right? But again, in the end, he started giving her, I am the living water. Wow. So he brought that spiritual truth in the end. And so we just talk about everyday things. And so I wrote this down, and I really feel that this is important, that we are to expose people to faith, not impose our faith on people. Hello? Anybody there? Right? Maybe you irritated a few people like I did. Amen? And you learned a lesson. Oh, maybe I'm not supposed to do that. Maybe I'm not supposed to impose my faith. Maybe I just should expose the faith that's in Jesus. Amen? And so let me just give you a couple things here I believe it's important to do. I believe you need to speak in English. And what I mean by that, if you speak Spanish, then speak in Spanish. But you speak English and, and, and just, just, you know, just, just everyday talk. You don't have to get caught away with things that people don't understand. However, there is a time that I began to talk about things that people don't understand at first and then I can explain it to them later. But speak English and ask questions. That's a great thing. And Brother Andy talked about that. Asking the p people questions like, who do you think Jesus is? That's a great question, isn't it? Asking those questions. Get people to talk. Get people to think. And, and get engaged in conversation. And listen to where people are coming from. That's very important. I think, again, sometimes as Christians we get caught up in a monologue. And we just feel like we have to hit the start button. And then we hit the stop button. We walk away. Okay, I did my job. But how many know conversation starts with listening? And all married people said, amen. All right, you know that, right? In business, it's all about listening, isn't it? In marriage, it's all about listening. Well, guess what? In evangelism, it's all about listening. Listen to where people are coming from. Jesus listened to the woman at the well. He didn't, he didn't start, you know, talking about something that she wasn't familiar with. He started talking about worship. She started talking about worship. Jesus started talking about worship. Guess what? They ended up at the truth, amen, that Jesus is the one to worship. So he, he kind of was there. And so listen to where people are coming from. Also, look at things from, from their point of view. And, and what I mean by that is remember what it was like when you didn't know the Lord. Remember what it was like when you thought Christians were out there and you thought church was a bunch of religious nuts and you didn't even understand and know Jesus. Consider that. Take that in consideration. How many know that helps? Yes, it does. Amen. And, and I, I believe that you need to see 
uh, where they really need the Lord. See where they need the Lord and where they need the gospel. And so bring joy and hope and faith into everyday conversations. I think it's important to do that. Um, and sometimes there's a spiritual gift that God begins to operate through you. And then other times it's just a word of encouragement. There's times where I've gone up to people and said, excuse me, I just want to talk to you a little bit and, and uh, can I ask you a question? And we started talking. I said, well, the Lord showed me this. Is this right? Can I pray with you? And the and next thing you know, it was the word of the Lord. The spiritual gift was in operation. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Think about it, right? How many know that happens? You can raise your hand in Pentecostal church here. You know, you, you, it happens. You, you, I mean, this is, Jesus did it all the time. Jesus said, I perceive. I perceive that, you know, you've got this on your mind. You're thinking this. And, and like, what? how did you know that? How many know it's a spiritual gift? But then there's other times where it's just the word of the Lord. It's just a word of, what I mean by the word of encouragement. You know what the Bible says. Amen. In all things give thanks. In all things, everything. I give thanks in everything. That's, how many know you just said scripture right there? You just said scripture right there. You don't have to be like in Psalms 100. And, I mean, you don't, you know, just. See, I believe it's important that I'm, I'm, I practice this, what I'm trying to do. And God's trying to teach me this, to give thanks in everything. I mean, that's scripture. That's a word of encouragement. You can tell people, you know what, don't give up. You can make this. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help. I'm here to pray with you. You can make it. How many of that's a word of encouragement? People need to hear that every day. Hello, everybody, come on, somebody, somebody can just, everybody needs to hear that. Everybody needs to hear, you know what, you can make it. There's hope for tomorrow. You know, I mean, listen, things can get better. God can work it out. Amen. Again, are we just used to these scriptures that only work for Christians or these work for sinners too? Amen. That lead them to the cross. Lead them to salvation. Lead them to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So I just wanted to give this example. I'll never forget the testimony of my mother-in-law. She was in college and she, she, she happened to run into a crazy person from the Door Fellowship. And one of, one of these people that just weren't ashamed of the gospel. And they were these hippies that loved Jesus. And she ran into them on the campus, college campus. And, 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 and they began to talk to her about the Lord. And she's like, whatever. I don't even know. I don't need Jesus. You know? And she said, you know what? The Lord is knocking on the door of your heart. All you have to do is let him in. And you know, she just, at first she was like, you know what, that's crazy. That doesn't even make sense. But you know what, as she went back to her dorm, that just rolled around, rolled around. And inside, you know what she said? I wish Jesus was knocking on the door of my heart. And it was just a couple months later she got saved. So, I mean, just think about it. It's just, sometimes it's a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's just that short word. Hey, God loves you. He's after you. He loves you. He's passionate about you. He knows where you're at. You know, he, he wants you to come to the Lord. Like, yeah, whatever. How many know, just like God did with you, God will start working on you. God starts working. That little sentence, that little phrase, that little, that little word of encouragement or whatever it was that somebody told you. At the time, you blew it off and you act like, whatever. I'm an atheist. I don't need to hear that. But in the side, amen, God was dealing with you the whole time. God was loving you and drawing, himself, drawing you to himself and saying, you know what, I love you. Amen, I'm calling you to myself. Anybody? Or you get saved in Sunday school at three and a half and don't even hardly remember. Come on. I mean, Jesus called you and he drew you. Amen. And so we can do the same thing. And I think it's important to practice what you preach. Anybody else? In fact, as we speak, I'm practicing what I preach. I'm preaching what I practice. Amen. So I believe it's important to practice what you preach. It's very important to do that. If you're going to step out and work and you're going to be the guy or the woman, amen, that's the witness on campus. How many know you've got to live the life? Amen of the witness as well. So practice what you preach. And so uh, just threw this out. I think it's important to avoid arguing. Avoid monologuing with people. And just being very 
you know, insensitive and just kind of saying anything that just you just feel better about yourself about. Avoid correcting people. Avoid a condescending tone. I was in church yesterday. Where were you? Okay? <laughs> I mean, no, that's, that's pharisaical. That's what the Pharisees did. I fast three times. I do this. I, I do this. I do that. I fasted. I gave to this. I gave to that. What about you? I mean, no, that's pharisaical. Amen. Avoid those things. Avoid being condescending. I like the scripture that Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians as a wind down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He said, so affectionately, we're longing for you or to see you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you had become dear to us. We loved you dearly, so dearly that we gave you not only God's message, but our own lives too. Teaching goes beyond just giving people information. It's about investing the gospel in them. It's about investing the principles of the Lord. Investing, amen, in them. And so it's, it's about so much more than just this monologue that we go through and this, and this uh, kind of this robotic thing that we go through. How many know teaching has mostly to do with relationship with people, amen? And that brings me, and I'll just start on this and we'll close. My second part of this is not only just teaching, uh, conversation and teaching people, but it's also a relationship. There's three important parts of a relationship with people, and that is, number one, get involved, number two, relate, and number three, be authentic, be authentic. And so um, we're, we're going to pick that up, amen, next week, and we're just going to talk about those things, but there has to be this relationship that we're building, and teaching really comes down to, first of all, relationship with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. That's what it comes to. You know, how many know you can't teach people what you don't know? And you can't take people to a place you haven't been. Amen? You, you can't try to correct people and get them to stop sinning. Amen? When you're struggling with some stuff that God's been talking to you about and you're not listening. Amen? Oh, you thought I was going to be nice today. But, amen? But listen, this is an amazing thing. And, and next week we want to talk about building relationship and conversion. Because I think this is so important that as we move as a, in the direction of the outreach center or missions and other things that God has for our church in the future, I believe that we've got to be so uh, not just missional minded, but we've got to be intentional minded. We've got to know what we're doing and doing it on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. And how many know that Jesus' mission is still our mission? Amen? That's still our mission. And, 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 and so I, I believe that as, as the church today, we need to ask ourselves, Lord, am I ready to teach people the gospel? And I want to challenge you as we go into these seven days of feasting. Maybe there's somebody you have on your mind. Maybe this is just hitting you. Maybe you feel pressure. Brother Matt, I feel pressure. I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, listen, just chill out, all right? Just chillax there. Nobody's putting pressure on. We're not going to come to your house and take a poll and do all this stuff. And, and then next week evaluate and how it went and how many people. You know, remember those v VBSs? Whoever brought the most kids got like a bike. You remember that? Now, that's not a bad idea, but that's, a, that's not a good motive to bring people, right? So it's, none of that pressure is here today, amen? Well, all right, it's just, it wasn't a bike, it was an Xbox. But anyways, no, how many remember that? I remember that, I remember, and I, so I was just bringing people in. I mean, I'd stand out inside the church and looking for kids. It's five of, man, I only have five guys. Johnny has 20. I mean, I gotta go. I gotta get this thing moved. So anyways, it's not that pressure. So it just, I want you just to take today, just a moment, and just ask the Lord, what can I do? What can I do, as we talked about last week, as we, who is my neighbor? How can I show mercy to somebody? Well, this week, Lord, how can I share a meal with somebody? How can I begin to, a conversation with somebody? How can I open up that door 
And as you said, just to go and to take the initiative. How can I do that, Lord? How can I, how can I respond to this, um, this commission that you're calling me to today? And some of you are, do this on a regular basis. And you, you, you have no problem with having people in your home or going to dinner or having coffee with somebody that doesn't know the Lord. That's amazing. Pull the rest of us in. Encourage the rest of us. Bring us in. Amen. Some of us need a little help. Amen. And so invite us over to your house while you invite somebody else over to your house. Amen. And, and help us a little bit. Some of us need a little, little, little help, a little charge. Amen. A little push. And I believe that this seven days of feasting is going to mark a new day, really, in our understanding and our open heart towards people that don't know the Lord. You know, this, this, this whole story, this whole account about Jesus going to dinner and to this man's house. First of all, he had just met him, and it didn't really even give him a formal invitation or a formal meeting. It was just like, hey, follow me. How many know that's not much of a meeting, is it? Right? Didn't even say, hello, I'm from, you know, I'm, I'm you know, Joseph's son. I did carpentry for a living, and I've got this much experience. He didn't say any of that. He just said, follow me. And so it was a new relationship. And so this guy that followed Jesus brought his friends. And so I want to encourage you, always understand this. The person you're trying to reach represents a lot more people than you see. And so when you're trying to reach just that one person, actually you're reaching a whole family. You're talking about reaching a community of people, a neighborhood of people. Amen? And I want you to go to those people that maybe that you've never talked to and, and, and really just really said, Lord, I, I don't know. I've never really talked to them. I've never, you know, this is the week to extend an invitation. Man, can we just have coffee with you? And maybe you might weird them out. You might freak them out and think, they may think something's wrong. This is a scam. You're trying to get them in church to give to the church. Just whatever you've got to do to reassure them. No, I'm just trying to just build a relationship. I'm just trying to love on you. I'm just trying to to get to know you a little bit. Amen? How many know we're a little bit leery of, of other Christians with scams? Aren't we, amen? That's okay. That's okay. Amen? But it's all right because initially people didn't understand Jesus. But when he came to their house and he had a meal with them and they were able to see who he was and talk to him a little bit more, that he was there to heal and deliver and set free and preach the gospel to them, they opened up their hearts. And how many know when people open up their doors, they open up their hearts? Amen? And that's what we're after today. Amen. So let's stand on our feet today. And I wonder if we encourage you to do something that we learned a long time ago. And that is pray for not only just your VIP list, people that you're praying for, people that are very important to God. But also I want to encourage you to pray for open doors. Pray for open doors. Pray for, as Paul said I, twice, he said prayer, the prayer that he prayed was, I need doors of utterance. I need doors of opportunity. Pray for a door of opportunity. To pray for, and then pray for boldness to enter into that door, to get there, to, to take advantage of what God sets up for you or, or the need that's presented as we talked about last week. So pray for open doors. God, give me open doors this week. And then pray for boldness. How many know we need boldness? Amen. And then pray for wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. I want the right words to say for this situation, this person. You know, what are you saying? Now, some of you may go in and you might be sitting across from them at coffee the whole time like, trying to get a word for you. Okay, let's, let's not do that. Let's just, as we're talking to them about sports and football the whole time in the back of your head, Lord, is there anything you're speaking to me about them? What can I tell them today? What can I give to them? What can I do? How can I serve today? Is that all right? Amen. So just want to encourage you. Again, there's no pressure. If people, you know, you just say, I can't think of anybody. You know, maybe Saturday night, next Saturday at midnight, you're, you're going to call somebody because you were, you were too scared. But that's okay. It's all right. Amen. We're just putting it out there. 
Amen? Because listen, I'm going to tell you something. God's called us to reach the nations. He's called us to reach people. And how much, how much, how much better way to do it with food? Amen? It's always, always a good thing. So love on somebody this week. Amen? Through a meal. Amen. Lord, we just thank you today because you were the good Samaritan to us. You were the one that came to our house for a meal. You're the one that reached out to us. You're the one that gave the invitation, Lord. We did not invite ourselves. We didn't come to you first, Lord. You reached out to us. In the, and right in the middle of our sin, right in the middle of our brokenness, right in the middle of all our dysfunction and everything that we were doing, on the road to hell that we were going, you reached out to us, Lord, because you loved us and you have a plan to save us. Lord, that's why you came to seek and save that which was lost. And Lord, like this story at, at, at this account, Lord, that Jesus went to Matthew's house and brought all his friends and all these people were there. People are going to talk. People are going to accuse. People are going to falsely accuse. But Lord, you know our heart. You know our heart. The Lord, you said that the well people don't need you, but sick people need you. So Lord, we're going to go to the sick. We're going to go to those who need you. We're going to extend an invitation to those, amen, that really don't know the Lord this week, amen, through a meal or some other way. We just thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people richly as we extend, as we reach, as we go. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this is the mission you called us to. This is what you anointed us to. Your spirit's with us. You're really close to us when we do this, Lord, and I thank you for that today. Bless all the families that have come, whether for the holidays or visiting today. We pray your richest blessing on their life and their travels. They go home. Keep them safe on the road. Lord, and, and in the football game, just give us a, a great time of fellowship, and we just pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen.